<coughs> well, first of all, I wanted to, to thank Eric for um, the idea for this book because, uh, as you pointed out, a lot of times people focus on projects, but uh, very little is understood about the actual nature of practice and how influential practice is in, in the public domain when you start to work at the scale of cities. So uh, I'm an architect by training, and uh, now I do virtually no architecture. Uh, it's not even really urban planning. Uh, it's really more like strategy uh, at a sort of territorial scale. But really, I've realized kind of in the last couple of years that I'm, I'm kind of like a, a psychiatrist for mayors. Um, that's pretty much what I do. Mayors think, you know, uh, I wish we had more friends. I wish we could attract different kinds of people. I wish we, we could connect to other cities in a different way. And um, picking up on some of Richard's points, they're, they're not really thinking, I want to boost my percentage point by three to four. They're literally thinking of these stories. They have the same concerns about narrative that, that, you, you, that struck you. So when Eric pulled us together uh, for this uh, evening, uh, he kind of, uh, in the overall challenge, he kind of mentioned uh, you know, three bits of context that are important to keep in mind. First, something around change, uh, about political and economic change creating uh, uncertainties, especially in European and American societies. So that, that's one idea. Another, the second idea is that this idea of inequalities. Are we, uh, is the neoliberal, uncontrolled order baking inequalities into our system? And, and if so, um, if it benefits a lucky few, what are the implications of that? And then the third issue, the uh, question is, what does the built environment have to do with it? Can you somehow change the dynamic of all of this through the built environment? So something about change, something about inequalities, and something about uh, the built environment. So very, very quickly, there is a change, and there, there are a lot of uncertainties around this, and a lot of people react against this, and they feel helpless. Um, and you know what any psychiatrist will tell you is if that if you feel helpless, and if you deny your helplessness, you lash out. This is true for you know in family dynamics. It's no different in the in the, in the body politic of a, of a of a nation, and we we see this all around us, especially in European and American terms. And people are lashing out against governments, but they're really feeling helpless because of structural changes in the economy, especially around technology and globalization. Um, people feel that governments and maybe cities are not delivering on the promise or their expectations, and they lash out. So that's where a lot of the uncertainty comes from. Um, what is true uh, for cities is also true for what we can do uh, in professional practice, uh, and it's, it's, it's consistent with what's happening in politics. In terms of inequalities, you know, when Francis Fukuyama wrote uh, about the end of history, he was talking about the neoliberal order, this kind of balance of free market capitalism and kind of representative democracy. That was going to be a perfect equilibrium that would basically deliver forevermore. And we know now that for all sorts of reasons, that's not delivering. And it's failing not because um, 
governments are predatory or they're rapacious developers. Of course, there are examples, not this guy, but there, there are plenty of examples of that. But there's something else going on, and it is the globalism piece, and it is the technology piece. And somehow, um, we are in a world where the traditional means of delivering value to citizens and consumers is no longer there. So in the old world, wow, that oil company is, has a monopoly and they are screwing us and we're going to break them up because therefore we're going to have several competing uh, groups and that's going to deliver the, 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 you know, the value to the consumer. It'll lower the price. That's an old industrial model. In a digital world, that doesn't work. If you are trying, if you have a very limited amount of time and you're trying to run searches on a search engine, you don't want to have five different search engines that each give you part of the problem. You want all the data to be accumulated in one. If you are uh, in an autonomous vehicle and you're headed, you know, crashing towards some kid kicking a red ball across the road, and your car is communicating with other cars through servers that are you know, cloud-based and maybe sitting in Norway somewhere, you don't want to have four or five different pathways. You want everything to be integrated into a single platform. So it's not clear that we gain value by busting up a digital platform that is effectively a monopoly in this new world. And going to the measurement piece, we are just learning now, but we don't know how to measure the value of a whole system. We know how to measure the value of assets. Gosh, that train line is so expensive. That station is two billion pounds on HS2. That is, whoa, that is so expensive. But if you look at transport, for example, as a form of land release, and you have thousands of homes that are made available because land is now accessible, then the cost of the transport is trivial. So which story are you telling? And which aspect of the system are you measuring? The system or the asset? Now, the, the tragedy or the paradox in this is that when you have this huge concentration of network power, it inevitably creates inequalities. But the overall value and the performance of the whole system, and let's say the global system, uh, increases. So we may feel more inequalities here, but there's a lot less poverty in a globalized world thousands of kilometers away. And are we willing to make those exchanges between uh, globalization and, uh, and protectionism, for example? And finally, for the built environments, my last point, um, uh, we, we do think that there is a way to start reconciling these issues, uh, reducing the uncertainty, uh, perhaps coming to new political, new management models, new design models that try to bring value to local places by, while also still remaining open to other ideas. And I suspect that it's going to be very similar from a political point of view as it will be from an urban planning and a technical point of view. And it comes down to the issue that we started early in the evening. Are we willing, are we capable of defining an outcome? And are we willing to be measured on it? So for example, gosh, I'm a designer. I believe we should make stronger communities. Or I'm a mayor. I want stronger communities. Well, what does it actually mean? Stronger community for whom? Only you know, 
nice middle-aged white guys like us. We're a community. We want to be strong. Why not? Or, or, or if it's not that, what else is it? And are we willing to define that and then be measured on it? I suspect this is the way Western representational democracy is going to go. It's going to become more of a technocracy in some, some ways. We have to agree on what is being measured, and then we will try to deliver on that measurement. And only then can we reestablish the social contract that actually binds people together. And until we do that, we will just have more helplessness and more lashing out, I suspect. Thank you very much.